Mom friend, you and I both know that while parenthood is the most rewarding role in all the world, it is also the toughest role. We get to enjoy great moments plenty of times where we just want to make time stand still while we soak in every ounce of the precious experience. But then... There are the days when intentional parenting means we have to be willing to get in there and do the hard work of difficult conversations or towing the line when we don't think we can hold strong much longer. It's doing whatever is best for our child, even if it is not comfortable, not popular with the world, or not popular with our child. We're the parent, and that sometimes requires getting in the trenches for the sake of our family. It's not necessarily pretty, but it's important. Today on the Practically Speaking Mom podcast, this is an episode from an occasional ongoing series called Parenting in the Trenches. It's those weeks when on the podcast, we're just going to jump right into the messy parenting moments without bringing you the normal cleanup quality control. It's an episode without all the bells and whistles. It hasn't been all cleaned up. There's no music, no editing by my dear husband, Rich. You see, he gives so much time to this podcast and in my seeking God, for ways to lighten Rich's load, I felt like God was calling me to occasionally have an episode without all the extra tech support. So you could think of it as me saying, hey, intentional mom friend, since you and I are good friends now, I'm inviting you over, even though I'm not wearing any makeup and I didn't clean up the house first for you. You get me with no frills, just friendship, chatting for a bit from my heart to your heart about the messy parts of parenthood. It's parenting in the trenches. So let's get in there together, mama. Let's crawl on down into that muddy mess and muck of life and deal with this issue together. Just the two of us. This is Val Harrison, the Practically Speaking Mom. And this week, I'm right there beside you as we do some parenting in the trenches. This week, we have all been mourning and praying and evaluating the situation and honoring the lives of those that were lost, hating evil, seeking ways to stop evil better in the future. That's what we've been doing as a nation and a world this week. And, and I know all kinds of tragedies happen every day throughout the world. I want you to know a couple of things up front. One, I'm going to be really careful with word choice so that we can keep this okay for kids to listen to. But what I'm wanting to look at with this is how do we parent in tragedy? How do we talk about tragedy with our kids? I'll just tell you up front too that I don't have all the answers for this. But as I was wrestling with some aspects about this for my own parenting this week, I just really began to feel that God wanted me to share this with all of you as well. So I've interrupted what was planned for today. And instead, we're going to focus on this tragedy that took place this week in Texas, where 19 children lost their lives and two teachers and I want to talk to you about how are you talking with your children about tragedy, about evil, about helping them process difficult things. Did you opt to not tell them about it at all? I, I want to look at the different age groups of how I make decisions based on their ages. And I want to address 
a couple of key questions that kids may be having about tragedy. One is, mom, am I safe? One is, my mind is having a hard time processing this evil act. What do I do? And three, how could a good God allow bad things to happen? I'm, I'm just going to start with how did I handle this this week? My youngest is 12 and I waited about 48 hours before talking to her about it. I wanted time to process it myself so that when I did talk to her, I could present things from a place of stability, a place of confidence, a place of calm, from a healthy perspective. We parents, we are setting the tone for our kids' level of fear or of safety. And while we can inform and prepare as well as possible, and I believe help their minds know where to store things. That I think that's one problem is, is just our, our minds don't know how to store evil information. And so helping them process that and, and deal with it is a key thing there. And thinking of how am I going to talk to her about it? I knew that I wanted hope to be a part of that. I wanted to have the attitude like Mr. Rogers, you know, he has a famous quote that when bad things happen, we want to point out to kids who were the good people in the situation, who helped, who were the heroes, who were those who chose to do good in the face of evil. It would be so hopeless for my daughter or for other kids to get the message in a framework of evil just always prevails. There's nothing we can do. Or as a parent, I'm afraid of evil. Now, I want to be aware of evil, but I want to live my life based on good. I will be informed about evil. I will do what I can to prevent evil. I will have a game plan for if evil comes, what will I do in that scenario? But I will not let evil cripple me or cause me to shrink back from living. This is the message I wanted to portray and I needed to process for myself first. And that's why I waited a little while before I talked to her about it. Since she's 12, almost 13, she is ready for discussing different proposed solutions, different social issues at stake, different laws that are at play in this, different aspects of moral decline in society, and how all of these different things play into this. You know, what is influencing the overall moral decline in our society? It was a good time for discussing the effects of violent video games or violence in music or TV and, and why we want to stay away from that and for sure not get a steady diet of harmful things in our minds. Another angle for discussion is what are the personal changes that we can make? What are the personal changes maybe our family could make or our neighborhood? What are some things that our neighborhood could, could do? What are some things our community and city can do? What are some things that schools could change or that the government can change? Helping our kids to get a framework for how the world is structured and to be focused on 
positive growth in those different aspects of the structure of our society. Another angle worth looking at in this and helping them to process based on their age. All of these things that I'm saying to you, of course, is based on their age. Okay, but another angle of this is looking at the four aspects of a person that I've talked to you many times over about Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in four main areas as a kid growing up. He grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. Those four areas, which are mental, physical, spiritual, and social. And so even a discussion with with our child about those four aspects of the person who did evil in this situation, you know, like what, what might have been going on in the four different aspects of him mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially, and how can we guard in our own selves? How can we um, care about those around us and impact them? How can we impact when we become old enough to vote? So we want to be a beacon of truth and light and hope. And yes, realism and, and realistic information that we share with our kids, but let's do it from a place of um, hope and responsibility. Okay. So another fallout aspect of this regarding our kids' hearts and minds is helping them to understand how a good God could allow such a horrific atrocity. And this is a real question, whether children or adults, um, in many moments and seasons, Throughout your child's lifetime, they will have these kind of questions. And the questions may go something like, is God good or is he all powerful? Or how could he be real and good and powerful, but still allow this to happen? It makes no sense. Why should I serve a God like that? So what we've got left to talk about today is the God questions of how could a good God let this happen? And also helping to walk with our kids through feelings of fear. We're going to talk about both of those still today. But before we do that, I want to take a quick minute to look at what's coming in the month of June on the podcast. We have got a guest for every week of June. The first guest is a mom of four boys and one daughter. The second week of June, our guest will talk about failure, shaping our kids' perspective about failure. And then week three, and then that third week, we've got an awesome discussion with a guest regarding words of affirmation and visionary parenting. And then week four, we have a guest whose heart is for middle schoolers. We'll be talking about the importance of challenges for those kids. It's a great lineup for all parents of all kids, but I will say there will be extra attention given to examples regarding boys and fathers. This is just a vision that I've had for several months now, and I don't mean a podcast month to fathers, but just the father factor is going to come into play at different times throughout the month. But even if you're a single mom with only girls, you will still get a lot out of each week in June. And if you're a mama boys, you'll be feeling especially inspired in your parenting. Okay, so let's get back to our topic today, to two aspects of it, the God factor and the fear factor. So let's talk fear first. 
whenever our kids come to us about fear, we don't want to send the message, don't come to me about your feelings. I don't want to listen to feelings. Instead, stuff them inside. We don't want to send that message. We don't want to send the message, go isolate yourself with your feelings. Those are messages we may accidentally send to our kids if we are not intentionally sending some different messages. So let's talk about those. Instead, we want them to learn how to handle their emotions in healthy ways. So that's our objective when it comes to fear or other emotions like feelings of rejection, anger, overwhelm, any kind of feelings. We don't want them to isolate themselves. We don't want them to stuff their feelings, ignore their feelings. We want them to learn how to process their feelings in healthy, productive ways. Therefore, we want to listen. We want to let them be heard. We want to praise them for coming to us with those issues. Sometimes them just being able to talk out how they're feeling, that is very therapeutic. You've experienced that, I'm sure. Sometimes you just need to be talking over with your spouse or a friend what you are feeling and going through. And it's therapeutic for our kids as well. That's a good, healthy thing. We want them to deal with these things in the right ways. And and so encouraging conversation is good. The more they talk, the more they learn how to give words to their thoughts and words to what they're physically feeling. You can even draw out words from them, such as asking them, how are you feeling? Like, what are the physical symptoms within you about this fear or anxiety you're experiencing? Can you describe what symptoms your body is having? Then ask them about their thoughts. What thoughts do you have with this fear? Like, what what do you think are the key things that that you that, that you're afraid of in this scenario? You want them to become more tuned in with their body and with their thoughts. Then we can give them tools for dealing with those things. So tools for calming their body. Um, how about breathing technique, for example? I mean, this is something I've learned from, I, I dealt with adrenal fatigue that really took me a few years to overcome the adrenal fatigue, which anxiety can sometimes be very physical based because of adrenals that have been too worn out. And, and so a breathing technique that is helpful is 448, which is counting to four as we breathe in counting to four as we hold that breath, counting to eight as we slowly release that breath. And so doing that breathing technique about eight times, so four, four, eight, uh, count to four, count to four, count to eight, and do that eight times. This literally can calm our bodies. Another thing that can help is to teach them to think of calming their body from toes up to their head. Once they reach their head, they can then focus on calming their mind. Now, part of calming our mind can be turning off screens because screens are a stimulant. They stimulate our adrenals, which increases our fear and anxiety. So we want to turn screens off. Now, your kids may be saying, but it distracts me. I need a distraction. I really don't want my kids to become dependent on a screen 
to provide an emotional release of something, especially if we're talking about real anxiety and fear issues. If we're talking about, you know, occasionally getting our minds off something, that's a a different story than what I'm talking about here. So it could be you want to consider turning the screen off and then helping them to stop dwelling on what is bringing them fear in their mind by thinking about positive truth. Help your kids memorize scripture. Here's a few scriptures that I find helpful. Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. God doesn't necessarily take us out of problems. He doesn't necessarily take the problem away, but he has promised to always be with us through those problems. And he can help remove anxiety and fear feelings or reduce them. Uh, Psalm 56, three through four, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God, I trust in you, I will not be afraid. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So these are uh, Bible verses to help them memorize so that they get some truth thoughts that they can use as weapons against those, those fear thoughts instead. So it's coupling together the physical and the and the mental, giving them tools to help them work with their fear. And we're going to wrap up today with the question about God. I just want to tell you guys now, thank you for spending this episode of of Parenting in the Trenches with me. This is the first time we have done one of these episodes. So I'd really like your feedback on how do you feel about the fact that we didn't have the music and it wasn't all edited and sharp and clean like most of our podcast episodes are. I certainly don't want to reduce the quality of our show, but I also know that some weeks I want to be able to step in in a hurry and change the plan because there's something else going on that all of us moms are dealing with or because God has laid something new on my heart. So please give me your feedback. How do you feel about a parenting in the trenches episode once in a while? And also, I would love it if you would get on our Facebook group, Intentional Mom Strong Family, and join the conversation about how are you dealing with your child with this current issue that's been going on and tell us the age of your child so that that can really help give ideas to the other moms that have kids in that age group. I would just love it if you guys would um, really be giving input on there and feel free also to just post questions. I know sometimes people feel like they're not supposed to post questions on there, that it's just for me to give info. And I want you to know I love mama questions. So please feel like you can get on there and do that. But let's wrap up now with the question about how could a good God allow this bad thing to happen? Here's what I want to tell you. When he created, he chose to create in a way that he wanted real relationship with us. He didn't want to create robots that were forced to be a certain way. And so he had to give free will. He started out with the perfect world that was free of evil, but he gave free will. And people chose to express their free will and allow evil choices to happen. 
And unfortunately, if you're going to create not robots, then that means that these people who have choices, their choices also affect those around them. So when we make evil choices, we affect in negative ways ourselves and those around us. When we make good choices, we affect ourselves for good and for those around us for good. That is the world we live in right now. But we have a promise that God is going to only let evil exist for a while because he doesn't want robots. He's letting people experience what they choose. And then thankfully, we have the hope of heaven where things are perfect. And these innocent kiddos who didn't have a chance yet to choose in their life, that's where they are. And that doesn't mean, oh, I shouldn't care about evils in our society today because I absolutely do. And so does God. And so he gave us a whole book full of information on how to overcome evil, how to turn away from evil, how to not choose evil, how to limit evil. And he also, during this time, he also promises to feel all our feelings with us, to be angry at evil and to be brokenhearted and to weep with us. And so he's given us all of these tools for during this time. So that is my understanding of who God is. That is based on the word of God, the Bible. I hope that somehow all of this information has been beneficial and helpful. Thanks for joining me today in this Parenting in the Trenches episode.